Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. As of this morning, there are more than 15,000 confirmed coronavirus cases in California, and about 350 people have died from COVID-19. Meanwhile, 131,000 coronavirus tests have been conducted in the state. Over the weekend, Governor Gavin Newsom acknowledged he was unhappy with the pace of testing and promised, quote, a new day with faster and better organized tests. The governor also said he wants to provide childcare options for essential workers. Newsom hopes to do that by relaxing income eligibility requirements and regulations around group size, physical distancing, and food safety. Chris Perry with California's Health and Human Services Agency says that could allow for pop-up daycares inside medical centers or near grocery stores. We're anticipating a short period of time where we may have dozens of families in a very unusual situation, and we want to be creative about how we create options temporarily. The rule changes would be in effect for 60 days. Expect state officials to announce more details tomorrow. Moving on, there are thousands of immigrants among the healthcare workers fighting the coronavirus pandemic. But for years, the Trump administration has tried to end the protections that allow many of these immigrants to live and work in the U.S. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports. Arcadio Mejia is a nursing assistant at a hospital in Los Angeles. He's worked with COVID-19 patients in critical care. Part of my job is to check vital signs, put a monitor on the patient. As more infected patients come in, he's worried he'll contract the virus and pass it on to his family at home. But there's another fear, that he'll face deportation if President Donald Trump succeeds in ending temporary protected status for him and about 400,000 other immigrants. I have given so much to this country. The government still treat me as a criminal and making me feel that I still do not belong. Also in limbo are immigrants with deferred action for childhood arrivals. An estimated 27,000 DACA recipients work in healthcare and support occupations. The courts are currently deciding whether to let the president terminate both DACA and TPS programs. The Trump administration should immediately reverse his decision to end TPS. 
Rocío Sáenz is Executive Vice President at the Service Employees International Union. She and other advocates are calling on Congress to give permanent protections to these immigrants, including essential healthcare workers. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. With coronavirus spreading in the state's jails, there are tough decisions to make. For instance, later today, California's Judicial Council will consider making most misdemeanor crimes and some felonies no bail offenses. That means people wouldn't have to pay bail to get out of jail. This could be a way to reduce overcrowding and the transmission of COVID-19 behind bars. The Judicial Council, which includes California's Chief Justice, could also allow telephone or video conferences during court hearings as another way to promote social distancing. Meanwhile, more and more Californians are losing their jobs because of the pandemic, and many are going to rely on the state's food banks to keep their refrigerators and pantries stocked. But how ready is California's food security safety net? I talked about that with Michael Flood, president and CEO of the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. Flood says he's already seeing a surge of people looking for food assistance. We've been slammed in terms of the spike in food assistance needs throughout Los Angeles County. Last week, we distributed uh, 2 million pounds out throughout Los Angeles County, and that 2 million pounds is the equivalent of about 1.6 million meals. And uh, when we look at the week uh, last year, it's 49% higher. So if that's the situation already, what are some of your worries looking ahead when it comes to people's food security? Yeah, I think there's several areas of worry. One is this spike in demand. You know, that just speaks right there. How many people have been laid off? How many have had hours cut? How many have been furloughed? So, yeah, that demand part of it uh, really worries me. The other thing I worry about right now is seniors. Uh, We're doing some different pilots around delivery to seniors because uh, the seniors we serve, they typically go to a senior center in order to get service. And now, given the governor uh, appropriately stating that seniors 65 and older really should stay inside as much as they can, we're talking with different partners and have a couple of pilots that are happening to, again, fill that gap so that those seniors can still get their food assistance and remain healthy. And what would you say to people who've lost their jobs in recent weeks and might need food assistance, maybe for the first time in their lives, but they feel too ashamed to ask for it? One is that this is a network set up to help people and serve people. So, you know, the food bank and the agencies that we serve um, there's not this any sense of judgment in terms of this could happen to any of us. Um, unfortunately, some of this is the luck of the draw. What industry were you working in? Well, now that industry is shuttered or dropped uh, significantly. So unfortunately, now you need this help. So, you know, I would say that, you know, I get it. You know, it, we're reluctant in general as Americans to reach out for help. But, you know, this program, the CalFresh program, unemployment insurance, the WIC program for uh, pregnant women and children up to the age of five. These are programs we all, you know, support through taxes. And they're there for us during hard times, during difficult times. That's, you know, part of providing a social safety net for people. That's why these programs and services exist, is to help people who are going through a challenging time. All right. Michael Flood, CEO of the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. Thanks so much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. 
We have heard a lot about healthcare workers who've tested positive for COVID-19. One of them is Matt Willis. He's a physician and the public health officer of Marin County. Willis tested positive about two weeks ago and since then has been isolated, staying at home alone in an upstairs bedroom away from his wife and children. He says he's been feeling short of breath and running a fever off and on. And Dr. Willis recorded this audio diary for us over the weekend. I'm seeing my bedroom walls still now for the 14th straight day on quarantine, seeing outside the windows here, my son's playing on the trampoline and doing tricks, um, which is a highlight for the day. One of the hardest things I think has been the uncertainty of this whole process, just in terms of my own course. I've been, like so many others, experiencing relatively serious respiratory symptoms. You know, I haven't needed to be hospitalized. I preferred to be at home. But, you know, as this progresses, you know, I'm aware that there are some who who fare worse and who crash and might need hospitalization. Um, and even as a physician, not knowing the steps I need to be taking at this point to, you know, to prevent that from occurring, in my case, is humbling. You know, there is no treatment. And so just resting and checking frequently for, you know, my blood oxygen levels and temperature and, and waiting is hard and a little bit scary. You know, when I see colleagues who have ended up on ventilators, I don't see that as my course, but it is a level of uncertainty that's been a challenge and adds, I think, a certain light to some of the other things I'm experiencing, like getting to watch my boys play on the trampoline. And that just all feels more real and more um, meaningful than it might have before, which is kind of gift. That was an audio diary from Matt Willis, a physician and Marin County's public health director. He's recovering from COVID-19. Residents in lots of California communities have gotten good in recent years organizing themselves to respond to natural disasters like wildfires and mudslides. Now, in some places, those same skills are being used to respond to the coronavirus pandemic. Reporter Stephanie O'Neill has this story from Santa Barbara. Ape Pal pulls his truck up to a donation tent in front of Santa Barbara's Cottage Hospital. Hi, how's it going? My name's Noel. I don't know. Noel? Yeah. Ape. All right, let's see. Um, From the back, he lifts out sealed boxes of protective equipment, including dozens of desperately needed masks for frontline healthcare workers. These are N100s, so they're 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 even more fancy ones. There's a hundred in each of those boxes, uh, in the big boxes. Pal is executive director of the Santa Barbara Bucket Brigade. It's a group he and a handful of friends formed in early 2018. That's when a massive debris flow slammed into the nearby community of Montecito, killing 23 people. The disaster wiped out neighborhoods and filled hundreds of homes with a muddy slurry. After that, Powell says the Bucket Brigade vowed to grow and stay connected to help out in future disasters. Wildfires, mudslides, landslides, debris flows, and occasional floods. Now more than 3,000 people have joined the Bucket Brigade, including Alexandra Williams. The Santa Barbara resident was among the first volunteers to answer the group's initial call for help. 
We would show up with shovels, masks, whatever tools we needed to dig out mud. It was a lot of just muscles. We were using our muscles. The coronavirus pandemic, though, is quite different. Volunteers must find ways to help older people, those with disabilities, homeless residents, and needy families without themselves getting sick. For Williams, that means phone checkups on a handful of women she'd been teaching in twice-weekly exercise classes. I'm calling to check in on you. How are you doing today? Well, I go in and out of being lonely, feeling really isolated, to... Williams phones each of the five women every couple of days, checking on their emotional well-being, whether they need her to pick up any groceries, medicines, or other essentials. My oldest is 92, and some of them are single and alone, and I don't want them to feel isolated. This type of grassroots and widely cast social networking and volunteering is what anthropologist Julie Maldonado says is essential to helping vulnerable people get through disasters. And those very even loose connections become really powerful and can often make the difference between survival and not. And Maldonado, who teaches at UC Santa Barbara, says that's what defines a resilient community. During this time of self-isolation, she says, even reaching out to those you don't know is important. And that can be as simple as walking around your block and leaving your contact information inside your neighbor's mailbox, says the Bucket Brigade's Alexander Williams. Even if they need nothing, it's still letting them know they're not alone. So far during the coronavirus pandemic, about 300 Bucket Brigade volunteers have signed up to staff food banks, to provide senior meals, and to help with other services countywide. For the California Report, I'm Stephanie O'Neill in Santa Barbara. And that's the California Report for Monday, April 6th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Remember, wherever you are, you can get the latest coronavirus news on your local NPR station. You can also listen to the California Report podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Be well. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Ideas to use up house paint and leftover paint taking up space can be found at paintcare.org. Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems, and Hint Water. Hint is water infused with fruit essences, including watermelon and blackberry. No sugar, no sweeteners, no calories. Available in grocery stores. Hint. Mouth-watering water. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too. 
at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.